Welcome to Success Fundamentals, hosted by myself, Chris Sykes, and my co-host, Brian Gosek. We are on a mission to seek out some of the most successful people in our network that have been able to define what success means to them so you can draw the map of your own path and take your first steps. We hope you enjoyed today's episode to get one step closer to your success goals. Starting a business is exciting. And one of the fundamentals of starting a business is making sure you have the proper legal structure. But legal structure only takes you so far. You want to make sure that your personal assets are protected. And that's where Corporate Direct comes in. Getting started is easy. First, you tell them about your business or investment. Second, they do a business name check. Third, they file the paperwork. And fourth, you receive the documents and you're official. To get $100 off your business setup, go to successfundamentals.com. Click on the Corporate Direct link. When the information form asks, where did you hear about us? Type in Success Fundamentals and they will take it from there. Corporate Direct, asset protection done right. Now, back to the show. Successors, welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. I am your co-host, Chris Sykes. I am Brian Goldsack. And today, we are doing a Chris and Brian episode. As we always like to do, uh, we interview a lot of people. We get opinions on people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, extraordinarily successful people. But for Chris's and my sanity, sometimes we need to take a moment on air to just say like, hey, look, we're getting all this great wisdom from these people, but why don't we try to actually think about some of these conversations that we've been having? Why don't we try to comment on certain points that these people brought up and hopefully allow this to be an opportunity to synthesize some of this uh, material that, that we've been getting here. And um, today I actually wanted to kick it off with a, a quote, not from one of our guests, but from one of my favorite philosophers back in the day. I believe his first name is pronounced Blaise, B-L-A-I-S-E, Pascal. So Pascal, you ever hear of Pascal, Chris? No. How, how old is this dude? Is he dead or no? Oh, he's very dead. He's very, very dead. Pascal, that's a good Okay. Yeah, Pascal, he was a mathematician. He was also a philosopher. To a certain extent, he was a theologian. And uh, Pascal's triangle, I don't know if you were ever, if you remember anything from geometry, but he was, uh, mm. he, he was big in math, <laughs> philosophy, <laughs> and the sciences. And um, this is a quote that um, I printed out. It's a bit lengthy. But I wanted to throw it out there to, to inspire some thought. And then um, I figured that could kick off our discussion. How am I sounding, by the way, Chris? Am I clear? Yeah, you're good. All right, good. All right. So here's a quote. So, quote, we never keep to the present. We recall the past. We anticipate the future as if we found it too slow in coming and we're trying to hurry it up. Or we recall the past as if to say it's too rapid flight. We are so unwise that we wander about in times that do not belong to us and do not think of the only one that does. So vain that we dream of a time that is not and blindly flee the only one that is. The fact is that the present usually hurts. We thrust it out of sight because it distresses us and we find it enjoyable, and, and when we find it enjoyable, we are sorry to see it slip 
away. We try to give it the support of the future and think how we are going to arrange things over which we have no control for a time we can never be sure of reaching. Let us examine his thoughts. He will find them wholly concerned with the past or the future. We almost never think of the present. And if we do think of it, it is only to see what light it throws on our plans for the future. The present is never our end. The past and the present are our means. The future alone our end. And here's the final line. Thus, we never actually live, but hope to live. And since we are always planning how to be happy, it is inevitable that we should never be so. Boom. If they had mics back then, he would have dropped one. Um, so I, I have my thoughts on it, but Chris, what, what, no, what's your immediate you, thought? You, I'm still synthesizing that. So you you take it and then I'll, I'll, I'll pick up. All right. So basically Pascal is saying that people are often in a perpetual state of thinking about their pasts, which no longer is here. They're mm-hmm. constantly thinking about where they want to go in the future, which hasn't occurred yet. And all they effectively are doing is escaping the present moment, which is always available to us. However, our minds are never focused on the present moment. Our minds are either mm-hmm. thinking about the past or they're reflecting on the future. And he said that mm-hmm. as a result, the one thing that we do have control over, which is right now, is never mm-hmm. actually being addressed because our minds are either thinking about the past or they're thinking about the future. And we're always striving for a happy future. But since we're in a perpetual state of striving, mm-hmm. how will you know when you're actually there? And it actually reminded me very much of our conversation with Emily Buckley. And we were talking about, she's like, look, I'm dreaming of a day. I don't know if you remember this, this part of the, of the conversation. She goes, I'm dreaming mm-hmm. of a day where I do my work. I work my ass off. And then I'm sitting on a beach. I think she said a beach or out in the country on a lake or something. No, she said beach and like in a third world country. Yes. So sitting out on a beach, having a beer, looking at the sunset. And she's like, hey, job well done. And then I asked Emily, I was like, when you're on that beach looking into the sunset, do you think you'll be able to settle your mind enough to even enjoy being on that beach? And if you recall, she said, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think I could, but there's a strong chance I wouldn't. And then we had this joke about like, she'd be thinking about how to like get like a scooter rental business going on that third world country shoreline <laughs> rather than actually enjoying the shoreline. Yeah. Yeah, but she but that was in conjunction to the wealth that she accumulated because she said she would do that not for the sole purpose of making a profit, but just to making that place a better place. So that was it's funny because that entire quote you read reminded me of something from uh, the movie Kung Fu Panda. Um, So in in the in the in the shorter version, it's uh, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Mm. Right. So hearing all of that, I was like, that's just exactly what Uguay said in 
Kung Fu Panda. Most people are talking about their past. I'm guilty of this. Um, talking about their future. Um, and what and what are you doing now to attain that future? And then I think the scary part about it is if you work so hard to attain that future, would you be actually satisfied? Because I think that you'll be from a habitual standpoint, you'll be so you'll have you'll be in grind mode. Right. Mm. So if you're in grind mode all the time and you retain this level of wealth that whatever you're doing, whether it's in business, whether it's whatever the case may be, whether it's working, whether it's running an existing company. Would you be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor at some point where you're in such a perpetual state of grinding, grinding, grinding or working, working, working to attain it? Because that's very, very hard to turn it off when you have a long period of time of that was actually a habit. Right. It's almost like when people retire, they have to find something else to do. They just can't enjoy sit in the house. They have to go out and maybe get a part time job where they have to read like organize their house from top to bottom they have they have to do something else because your entire you know, the majority of your life is going to be consisted of work mm-hmm. and then when you quote unquote retire it's like okay what's the next chapter right it's almost like it's a famous football coach uh god what is his name um it's a famous football coach. I think his name. He's he was at. Uh, let me see. Pin. Give me one sec. I can tell you exactly who it is. Uh, exactly. And it happened to him when he was forced to retire due to us. Joe put uh, Paterno. Yeah, he was forced to retire, and literally, like in a year or so, he was dead because he didn't have anything else to do. He was forced to do to get to leave the thing that he loved to do which was coach football and then he passed away shortly after he stopped working so it's um, interesting I, I, that, I totally agree with that that phrase that you said grind mode grind mode is is like echoing in my mind because you know in the industry that you and i work in i don't know have you ever dealt with people that you know they're like 80 something years old and till this day aren't comfortable spending their money or enjoying yeah. the fruits of their labor. And when you talk to them, they're like, I don't know. I mean, my whole life I saved and I saved and I saved and I saved. And I, just, I don't know. I don't feel right. I, I don't want to fix this thing in my house. I don't want to go on that vacation. And for for us, being that we are doing this case study on success and the fundamentals of success, we we're going to end up getting it right. Like we're going to figure out what success actually is and what it means. And I, and I think we're very close to it at this point, but then once you get it, there's this whole other part of like, Hey, I got it, but are you going to be able to enjoy it? Are you going to be able to enjoy the success that you do have? Assume the success is going to happen. And when it's there, what kind of mind state do you have to be in to actually enjoy this success? And and not to ramble here, but arguably the Chris that exists now, the Brian that exists now, if you look mm-hmm. back to Chris and Brian at 10 years ago, the current ones are successful. We've uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. But I don't hey, if I'm thinking about I'm, that. But 100%. I'm not, you know, I feel good. 
but I don't feel like this elation that I'm hoping to feel from achieving this success. So when the hell am I going to feel that feeling? Well, I think I, I think I, I think at that point, to be honest, because ten years ago for me I was 21, so it was at that point it was just you know because back I don't I don't know about you, but the, but the big thing growing up for me was you got to get six figures and you'll be successful if you're earning six figures. You know, now that that's the case, it's like that's yeah, that's good. But then now we're on this pathway of understanding what true success and what true wealth is, and is not what you think it is. It's just like, it's like, okay, well that was that because also too, that came from a level of, that came from thinking a certain way, right. In terms of what you were taught throughout, throughout your whole life of what was success or what was financially stable. And then now there's so many avenues and pathways to, to 10 X what we're doing now. And we're down going down that path. It's like, Oh man, you know, you know, because I think I think I think when it comes to success from a personal standpoint, I think people have to. Uh, that's where it gets personal. That's where you have to define it for yourself, wherever, wherever, the, wherever that definition of success is, because I think to me is having the is doing what you're doing. I think right now, the reason why we don't feel. I say we won't feel successful, I will say if we don't feel like we've made it yet is because we we're still in a have to mode. Like we have to go to work to earn, to pay bills. We're in a, we're in a, we're in a have to state. Let me challenge, right? let me challenge you on that because you said that at one time to define success was six figures. Um, you achieved that goal, but then how do you know, how do you know, let's say your next goal is you want to make $3.7 million a year or have, you know, passive income. How do you know that once you get to that point, Similar to what you did with the six-figure goal, you're not going to kick the can down the road further and be like, "But until I get, until I get that house in France, I'm I'm not really at the level that I feel that I I should be. If I could have gotten the house in France, I should have gotten the house in France. And I know I'm tying it into a material goal for for ease, but it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be material. For example, like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you could say like I wanted to open up multiple businesses. Which is not necessarily mm-hmm. material. It's it's more of like an intellectual accomplishment. But how do you know you're not mm-hmm. going to constantly be trying to level up yourself? When can you just chill? I don't think you ever do chill. To be honest, I think that I think in some capacity, the the object of obtaining success in whatever fashion you feel it is is to give back and bring back people to tell people who don't who don't know to come along with you. Because what's being successful if you're if you're on a boat by, by yourself that's that's like that's like what's the what the, what the point of my what's the point like i'm doing this for what reason mm. i think is i think like currently right i think if you're looking at people who have massive success right warren buffett from a financial standpoint what does he do he loves to teach so he's teaching people in general how to be how to how to what to do when you you could be the, the greatest doctor in the world earning that 3.7 but if you don't know what to do with it to, to sustain it and change the entire trajectory of your family's life then what's the point of earning the 3.7 million just, what just to pass on a whole bunch of debt to whoever you're going to leave it to right so i think it's if i get to that goal i think 
knowing what to do with whatever success you attain for, for, from a fan. And this is just in success. This does not mean that you have to make three point seven million. This is with whatever amount of wealth that you attain, that you deem that you need to, to, to do or that you need to to earn. But um, you're right. I think the reason why it was successful back then, because I didn't know what to, I didn't even know what that even meant make six figures you you're successful like for what like i don't even know what that is and then when you understand how taxes work you don't take home six figures <laughs> you know so 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 that's a whole nother story but but yeah so i think when you when i said that that was like like a very vague thing it's like somebody's telling you brian i want to be x and you're like why like i don't know and just that, that that's just what folks say you know he's like oh okay well then, then you get it. You're like, oh, this wasn't even what I thought it was going to be. And then it's like, because you didn't, you don't know what that means to you, right? All right. So on that same note, that you you brought up a good point in that you, you don't know if there's ever going to be a time where a person can chill. Is that just mm-hmm. the human condition? Is that just something that we have to embrace? So I, I um I went to a, a Jesuit school, and for those of you that are familiar with the Jesuits there, uh, an order of priests in the Catholic Church. Like the current Pope, I think, is our first and only Jesuit Pope that we've ever had. And they, um, they're very into education. And one of their central tenets is this word. Uh, it's a Latin word, magis. It really means more. Mm-hmm. It means more. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. The fancier description of it is the restless, the restless pursuit of excellence okay so with the magis it basically means that hey if you're doing it right theoretically you should never feel good about where you're at and you should restlessly be in a perpetual pursuit of excellence so i think there's a part of my personality that aligns with that philosophy but then i say to myself when is the appropriate time to feel good? When do you feel good about what you've accomplished? Can you have a perpetual state of accomplishment in your heart? Can you have a perpetual state of joy for all of the things that you accomplished coinciding with the restless pursuit of excellence? Because it does seem, at least to me, I don't want to speak for you, Chris, and I'd be curious to get your reflections on this. That if there, mm-hmm. were, if there was a ratio of grind for f- future Brian versus enjoy the fruits of Brian's labors, like 80% is grind for future Brian. And then there's 20% of like happiness for what I've done so far. And I prefer if that mm-hmm. was like 50-50 or ideally like 100% yeah, yeah. joy. So I don't know. What, what do you what okay. do you think? Uh. What I would say, I think that comes, which is which actually ties into Scott Mason's uh, podcast. I think that comes with purpose. I think if you have a purpose, I don't think you're ever going to do that. I don't think. Do what? Because just relax. I've done it. Right? Mm. Because... Um, you think if, if you're able, if you're able-bodied to MLK will still be fighting for civil rights. He's not going to, he, he's not going to get to a point like, okay, 
think I've done enough. I think, you know, I think we're equal enough. Um, he would never do that mm-hmm. because his purpose was to, you know, was was a human rights thing, was a civil and equal rights thing. So this is where purpose ties into. Um, and I think if you get to that point, I don't think you ever I think at that like if you if you do it well enough to a point to where you can sustain yourself from doing it, then you have the option to kind of being busy. Then that's like the ultimate state. I don't think the ultimate state ever is to just relax and chill. For example, do you think Jesus would have got to like let's just say Jesus lived to like 80? You think he would have at like 62 would have been like, okay, I think I spread enough gospel. Mm. It's like, no. His purpose was to continue to speak gospel, whether he got wealthy from it or not. And I think that's where purpose ties into. Jay-Z had this quote. I actually posted it on Success Fundamentals Podcast Instagram today. Jay-Z says that uh, everybody has a genius level talent. Everyone does. But what happens is you, it doesn't matter what you're passionate about. You can create audience. You can create community um, and you can become successful off of that you could be the voice but what happens is brian is that let's just say i'm really in love with building pens and like okay i i, I really want to make pens and then i go outside and i tell somebody that and I, you want to make pens why would you want to do that like ain't no money in that end or that's weird and then now you become self-conscious of what you're actually good at maybe you're at, you may be in your room you you could put together and you get you figured out how to do whatever the case may be mm. with this particular pain, but then you go outside and then you get influenced and then you go down this mundane road of working and then, and, but you're unhappy as hell. You know what you want to do. You know what you're naturally good at. You know what you're passionate about, but then you go outside and then you get influenced. And then when you get influenced, you're now that self-confidence, that self-confidence is now gone. And now you don't even want to even want to tell people what you're, you're good at or what you're passionate about because you feel like you may be, you may get judged and, and then you and then you settle for whatever you don't want to do. And then you're miserable. OK. Tizer. Go ahead. All right. I love the example. So does that mean then using pen guy, Johnny Ballpoint, right? Johnny Ballpoint sitting in his <laughs> office and he's like, I don't I don't care what anybody says. I'm doing it. I'm going for it. I'm starting my pen factory. And he starts taking yeah. the steps to create the next like high end fountain point. You know, he's going to head to head with with Bick. Mont Blanc. Right, right. <laughs> and um, do you think that he is now in that state of joy that we were describing before? Because I think 100 percent you do. So, you OK, why do you tell me more about that? What What makes you feel that he's in a state of joy because he's pursuing that? Because he's doing what he he's doing, what he loves to do. And he doesn't care what, what people think. That's the ultimate state of joy. When you're doing what you're on on earth, he's again, his task on earth was him to make pens. He had this feeling in him that I'm going to go for it. And then when you're at that ultimate, that that's the ultimate state of joy and happiness. When you're doing something that you want to do, you're good at it and you're able to make a living off of it. You're in a perpetual state of happiness. You know, you're not even thinking about relaxing. A perfect example of that to this day is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is 91 years old, 90 years old, I think, 90 or 91. And he's still the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. You know why? Because he said when he read 
Ben Graham's book, um, The Intelligent Investor. He said that he knew what his calling was to the point to where he went to Ben Graham and asked him, could he work for free? Hmm. Then he then he took over the company. And then it's like I'm doing I'm I'm in a I'm in a position now. Now, successors, that does not mean that you're not going to have challenges. Yes, you're going to have challenges. Yes, you're going to have is Jay, uh, not Jay-Z, um, Jeff Bezos said the 80 20 rule you think he doesn't like everything about running amazon there's some there's a lot of things i don't like the admin work of our jobs i hate that shit but it's a part of it but with with warren buffett 80 percent of his days is reading and investing he finds joy he says he skips to work because he's doing what he absolute love that's 90 percent of it but the reason why most people are not going to ever get to that point to where they're skipping to work regardless of what troubles that that, that come their way is because whatever they like, they feel they're going to be judged by by their peers. And in all reality, your peers don't give a damn about you anyway because they got their own shit to, to, to deal with. So that's why with this podcast, bro, you know, if we would have been like, oh, what if we start putting out content and like our friends started like laugh at us? And stuff? Who cares? Mm. You know why? We're trying. Sure. So I would rather try, follow my face. And say, hey, Brian, we had a hell of a run, man. We tried to do this. We tried to give people content. We brought people on here to talk about X, Y, and Z. It just didn't work out. I'm totally consent. And I'm totally okay giving it my all in something to create a better life for myself and failing at it than not trying, staying in the rat race. And then when I'm 80, I'm like, I should have just went for it. I should have went for it, but I didn't. Why? Because I thought my peers were going to judge me or whoever. Who cares? You got to be your biggest cheerleader, period. So I get that. So I'm going to I want to bring up two points to the point you, you brought up. But before I bring up those two points, I just want to say, Chris, basically every single thing you're saying, I agree with you. But I for the sake of not what, what's the word? I, have you ever heard of the idea of groupthink? Right. Where like every. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't want to group think. So I'm throwing curveballs at this discussion just to en- please do just to entertain it because I- I'm seeing a- I'm seeing other sides to this. Right. Number one, everything that you're saying surrounding the idea of having a fulfilling life ties into work. There is a sh- yeah. strong chance that that could be a result of us living in the United States. Okay. Very true. Very true. We come from a culture that has a good old Protestant work ethic where you find uh, rest through work. It's not the case in other countries. Now, I'm not like super well traveled, but I was talking to a friend of mine today. Well, he's, he's retired. He's very old. And he was saying to me, he used to purchase um, material from this one company in Italy. He's like, don't call them anytime between 12 and 3. Uh, Italian time to try to get stuff done because they're like taking like a three hour lunch. He's like, they go out, they have like a a lunch for an hour and a half and then they're just chilling. And then they go out for coffee and have a little dessert with their associates Mm -hmm. for another hour and a half before they go back to work. And I was like, that's Mm -hmm. totally like, I I heard that and I was like, those lazy, but then I'm like, that's just their culture. To them, that's their culture. To them, like yeah. the, the work, 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 work is a means to them having a lifestyle where they can have coffee and have a nice lunch with their friends for three hours a day, 
Whereas in the United States, culturally, we would look at that and be like, what the hell is wrong with these lazy bums? They should be at work. You have a half hour lunch. You have an hour lunch at most. And if it's any longer than that, it better be a damn business lunch meeting where you're going to get an even bigger. Yeah, yeah. You get what I mean? So I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. does success always have to be tied towards productive effort? Productive That's effort. a great question. Great question. It's actually a little country, and I learned about this country from a uh, Nipsey Hussle show. Shout out to Nip, rest in peace, Nip. But um, he talked about he's Eritrean. Eritrean uh, Eritrea is a country in Africa, hmm. and he says he's the exact same thing. Right from twelve to three, everybody either goes home or goes to a restaurant to eat. Every, their culture surrounds food and family. Mm. So every so every day you check in. Every every business is shut down and from twelve to three, you're you're at either at home with, with your family at the dinner table having a meal, or you're at a restaurant with your family or friends having a meal. Right? Here's the, here's what I say about that, even though that's a, a beautiful culture in terms of comparing it to America. Uh, no, globally. They're doing that. It's their culture, whether you're in Italy, whether you're in Eritrea or France or wherever the case may be. But guess what makes the world go round? Dollars and cents. So, yes, even though they shut down for three hours, their culture still surrounds them doing some type of productive work to earn, to keep roof over their heads for their families, to put food on the table and things of that nature. Right. Mm. So. I think regardless of what you do, there's no place that you can go where you do not have, <coughs> excuse me, sure. where you don't have to work to earn, to provide, or just have a lifestyle. Okay. There's nowhere on earth that you can go. Okay. Nowhere. Whether you have a three hour lunch or a 30 minute lunch, you still ha- have to produce. So this reminds me, was there more to that? Because you, you reminded me of something here that I wanted to say. No. Go ahead. All right. So there is this. Joke. It's it's kind of a long joke, so I'm going to try to synthesize it into like a minute. Okay, so there's a Harvard MBA graduate on vacation at a small island off the coast of coast of Greece, and he's sit sitting down drinking coffee, and he sees this fisherman mm-hmm. bringing in his catch for the day, and he sees that the guy has like two really big tuna, and he goes up to the guy and he's like, "Hey, you seem to be like a, a good fisherman." And the guy's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. He goes, so what are you going to do with this with this uh, catch? He's like, well, some of it we're going to eat tonight. Um, and then some of it I'm going to sell. And he goes, okay. And then what are you going to do after you have the your meal? He's like, well, then I play with my kids for a few hours. And then when they go to bed, my wife and I go to the village and we meet up with a few of our friends and we have wine and smoke cigarettes and have a little dessert. And we talk till maybe about midnight. And he's like, and then what? He's like, then I go home and then I wake up early the next day and, and I go out fishing again. And uh, he's like, look, I guarantee you, I have a way for you to make millions of dollars doing what you're doing right now. And he's like, really? He's like, how do you how do you propose it? He's like, I'm a Harvard MBA. You just listen to me. He goes, you get two fish a day with one boat. I want you to work a few extra hours every day to at least get three fish. And with that third fish, I want you to save that in an interest-bearing account over the next year and a half to purchase another boat to then get two 
fishermen that work the same amount of hours that you do, which then will net you somewhere around six fish a day. And if you divide that, multiply that out and do the compound interest over an 11 year period, uh, you're mm-hmm. going to have the largest fleet of fishermen in all of Greece by 10 years from now. And the guy's like, my God, he's like, all right. So then when will I be a millionaire? He's like, well, let me do the math. And he takes out his calculator. He's like, probably in about 20 years, he's like, you're going to be a multi-multi-millionaire. He's like, I could see your fish being sold in England and Italy, all over the place. He goes, mm-hmm. he goes, and then what? He goes, well, that's the best part. He goes, then you can move to a small fishing village in Greece and have uh, lunch with your f- family in the afternoon and dinner with your family at night. And you'll have time to play with your kids. And then in the evenings, you can go into the village and have wine with your friends and have dessert with them and chat to the evening time. And that's the joke. Mm-hmm. That's the joke, right? Oh, so the joke is to retire. The joke is that this guy was doing that shit anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was doing that shit anyway. And this Harvard MBA was basically trying to get him to make millions and millions of dollars to achieve this degree of freedom that this man already had without the millions of dollars. The freedom, yeah, because he's doing what he wants to do. That, that's why I don't think success has anything to do with the dollar amount. I think is, are you continuing happy with your lifestyle, regardless of what it is, right? Some people may want to want to have that huge fleet and millions of dollars. That's fine. But if I'm if I have a life that I like, it's not cumbersome. I can do 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 what I want. I'm making money to not only cover what I have to cover, but to do a little bit of, of, of what I want to. You're in you're in heaven. Right. And I think I think right now where, where the where the drive comes from to make to make it make it up there is of where we live, the U.S. Because mm. guess what, everything is about everything is about publicity. Everything is about how much money you have. Everything is about you know the nice things you wear, which is that has nothing to do with or what people think of you. I who cares what people think of you? Who cares how much money you have? Are you are you okay? Now I'm not saying that you can't get into it, but because if you're in a situation where you can better yourself financially. Yeah. hundred percent do it. That doesn't mean that you have to make millions of dollars to do that. Mm. Right. You just don't. It's almost, right? it's almost like you got to get your bases covered and then look at the rest as if you're playing checkers or chess. Yeah. One hundred percent. Because like I said, you can, you could be perfectly financially stable making, uh, making 50, 60 a year. If you know how to manage finances, finances is always going to be an integral part of anyone's lives. Because if you don't know how to manage that point, and shout out to Earn Your Leisure for helping people with this part of it, if you don't know if you don't know that part of it, then you're going to always feel like you're behind or stuck or struggling because you don't have the fundamental you don't have you don't understand that part. Now, like you said earlier, Earn Your Le- well when we had this conversation when you was up here on Saturday, Earn Your Leisure is telling you exactly. That's why I love that pot, that platform so much is because. They're telling you exactly what to do when you get money. What we're trying to do is get this right and say whatever you do. Okay, put it like this. It's like to get your mind like right. To get your mind right because not everybody's watching us on YouTube. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, because what we're doing is we're like the first stop almost. It's like regardless of what you choose to do, you can do it if you apply these principles. Then when you earn money, you go to college, then you go to earn your leisure because they're telling you exactly how to deploy the capital that you save mm-hmm. and earn. Mm-hmm. Right. We're trying we're trying to that's why we tell that's what we ask our so successors. So, you know, 
one of the reasons why we ask our our ask our guests to break down what fundamentally do you need to have to become successful? Because maybe you because it's almost like reading 10,000 books on boxing until you step in that ring to actually practice it. You don't know how to box. You just know about it. Right. A lot of people know exactly what to do. They just never act on the information. We're trying to get you to act on it. Right. We're in whatever profession you're in. Then once you do that, well, then you tell like, gosh, I've saved 10, 20,000. What to do with this? You go to earn your leisure. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. So that's what we're trying to do. And I think that we're doing it. And especially now that that the the format of the show has changed a bit because we're we're literally trying to hone in on what you need to know fundamentally from a mindset standpoint. Yes, from a mindset standpoint is a is a, such an important distinction to make because if your head's not right, all of the other stuff is premature, right? If if you're not doing the fundamental things, if you're not in a mental state of of preparing yourself for success, if you don't even really know what it means, if you don't know what it looks like, if you don't know the mentality and the attributes of successful people, all of the techniques to achieve success, even if you learn them, it's going to be difficult for you to apply them. If you're going to, mm-hmm. if you're like uh, going to war, let's say, it's not enough to just shoot, t- teach a person how to shoot a gun, right? You have to get their mm-hmm. minds ready for war. You have to tell them what's coming. You can't like go into war with a big smile on your face and like skip into battle because like <laughs> because like your mind is like you know in, in in Daisy Land like the general has to get your mind ready for battle. So 100%. when it comes to acquiring wealth and becoming extraordinarily successful, Chris and I, and, and I think you, you back me up on this, we believe that there's, there's a mindset of success that you need to be able to flip that switch when you're doing the different things that you want to do to be successful and say, hey, time to get into like success mode here. Uh, we want to figure out what are the attributes of that mindset. And the reason we're doing it, I mean, the reason we're talking to all these different people is because they did it. So they have that wisdom. We're just trying to pull it out of them. 100%. 100%. And I say this all the time. It's all about, like, you can... You can go and like take, let's just say you, you you want to build a house and you find the perfect windows and you the shutters and the and the material. If you build that house on sand, if you don't have a fundamental foundation, it doesn't matter how nice the house is. The moment it rains or something slants, all that work that you've done is for mm. naught yep. because you're building it on the wrong foundation. You know, you're, you're right. So you need to know before I do any of this, my foundation, my fund, the fundamentals of building a house is to have a very solid foundation. You don't have a very solid foundation. You can have you can import your stones from Italy and, and, and your roof from France. It's going to be for naught if you don't even know if you don't know where to start. So we're trying to give people this is where you start. And this is why it's important to start here. Now, I'm not saying that there is a fundamental number one. You have to figure out what that number one number one for you is. Like for example, our guest Rob Napoli, shout out to Rob. Um, he said a fundamental of success is being curious. Mm. 
so right being and why is that and why is that a fundamental tool to to become successful because if let's just let's just go back to to that pen let's just say i have a natural passion for building for making pens right if i'm curious about pens i'm going to research every i'm going to be curious about what it takes to make the best pen and why this material is good and why this material is not and what type of what market in the pen world do i want to get into don't want to go to like the cheap accessible for everybody type pen or do want to go to the, the luxury market it's being curious in whatever you're passionate about will lead you down those roads that's a very f- fundamental thing shout out to Ghislaine Ghislaine said she thinks one of the fundamentals of work um, fundamentals of success is to do the work regardless of where you are you may not be doing what you want to do today but how can God bless you with with the next thing if you haven't learned today's lesson which is to do to develop a work ethic a work ethic in the job you have today, right? If you're a cashier at Kroger, but you want to become a pen entrepreneur, if you have a terrible attitude at Kroger and doing the minimal effort at Kroger, how can you how can you go to that next step? You haven't even learned the first lesson yet. You're not doing the work. You're not where you are. Because guess what? If that work ethic can can trim, if somebody sees you, you're passionate about not passionate, but you take your work serious about helping people with groceries. You may you may be helping an entrepreneur's. You may be bagging the entrepreneur's groceries. Like I like your work ethic. You take your work so serious. I love that. Like, are you trying to say forever? No, I actually want to want to start a pink. If if you're serious about this, hey, here's my number. Call me. I would love to, to be a mentor because they see what you're doing with a job that you don't want to do. Yeah, they said there's a, a great saying about that. They said you have to learn how to follow before you can be a leader. You have to be a good follower before you can be a good leader. All good leaders were followers. Every last one of so, them. So, and then even when you're a leader, you have to look. You could be a leader in the pen company. You know, if 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 an entrepreneur wants to create businesses and a entrepreneur, you know, what is it? They aspire to be entrepreneurs. Can we call this guy? Mm, that, can we call this guy a pentrepreneur? Somebody that wants to be a entrepreneur in the pen industry. <laughs> so if this, if this pentrepreneur makes it and he's the king of pens or the queen of pens and they go to like, I don't know, like tango dancing, like you're not the queen of tango dancing. You're not the king of tango dancing. The person teaching you in that environment is the king or queen of tango dancing. And in that environment, you have to be a follower. So at all points, depending on the situation that you put yourself in, you're either a leader or a follower. You have to you you have to accept what you're going to be a follower in and what you're going to be a leader in. You can't be a leader in every single thing that you do or else you're going to be one of those very irritating people where the tango dancers explaining things to you. This is like your second class. And you're like, excuse me. No, because I saw on the Internet, it's totally different. And you're like, shut the hell up. <laughs> shut up, lady. You know, <laughs> I keep I have to hear her now rather than the actual teacher, because this lady wants to be the leader of tango, even though she's got no experience. in. So, Brian, so we ask our we ask our guests a lot. What do they think? Uh some of the fundamental attributes needed to become successful, regardless of what they do. What do you think a fundamental of success is? Work ethic, although it's cliche, definitely appears to be one of the fundamental attributes of success, as well as, as Rob Napoli said, curiosity 
And it seems like people are, uh, at least people that in, are achieving a lot in their industries tend to enjoy the nature of their industries. So to kind of tie that all together, a lot of our guests appear to have very well developed opinions and beliefs um, on basically all of the different facets of the industries that they're in. If you think about Eugenia O, for example, she was able to talk about the nature of education in general, the nature of her responsibility within education, but then she can even basically zoom out and talk about the political implications of what uh, and the effects that, that politics has on her industry. And then she was able to zoom out even further and talk about how different nations approach different things. So Eugenia wasn't just studying her industry at a superficial level. She was able to comment on all of the different facets of her industry because presumably she really enjoys what she's doing. Mm -hmm. So being well-versed in the subject matter is definitely a attribute of successful people. And then they all work hard. None of the people that we interviewed seemed lazy to me. They were putting in effort and they believed in what they were doing and they were not afraid to actually put in the work <clears throat> to, to achieve mm -hmm. their to achieve greatness in their industries. What about you? What are, what are your what were your observations? I want to say observations in the them. I'm going to say what I think a fundamental uh what a success fundamental is, is having courage. Mm. Be because when you think about it, when you're embarking on a journey, now courage is having fear and doing it anyway. Right. And, and what that means is a, you may know exactly what your purpose is on this earth. You may know exactly what you're good at on this earth. And then again, you go outside and you're influenced and you get fearful about what people say. You may have a little, you know, you may not want to do it because you may be the oddball out. Um, and everybody that we've talked to had courage at some point to step out and do what they needed to do or to take a position. Right. Um, and, also, and I think what that falls into is people think that well, if I, if I do something, and some people and, and then people and I get talked out of it, then, uh, you know, and, and, and what if I failed and they're right? But what if you don't fail and you're right? Or what are those who are those other people now? OK, let's get real. It may be your parents. Now, what I will say is everybody doesn't have ill will against you. But what I will say is when people give you advice and tell you not to do something, they're looking at it from their lens, not yours. So when you tell people your visions, when you tell people your aspirations, the first thing that they because as humans, we're naturally selfish, not saying like my, my mind, but of how we think. So, for example, if I say oh, I'm going to be the next CEO of Apple, the first thing you start to think about naturally is subconsciously is can you do that? And then what comes out is you want to be the next uh, you want to be the next CEO of Apple. Like you have this look on your face. Mm. You're like, yeah, you're like, I don't know about that, dude. That's 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 that, that's far fetched. How, how where do you even start? You know, and then but they're spewing out the negativity from what they think that they can do. 
right? Mm. Looking at it through their lens. Now you have other people who just want to tell you bad things because they don't want to see you win. They're intimidated by you in some form of capacity. Either they see a trait in you that they're jealous of, so they try to, you know, talk you out of doing things or laugh at you to discourage you from doing it. But you have to have courage to move forward. I mean, listen, haters are your biggest marketing team because they're talking about you. That that creates a buzz. You want to have haters. Dude, so I think can you think, look, I know what a hater is. Like I'm not blind to what a hater is. That's definitely something I hear constantly, constantly, constantly. <laughs> you want to break down what a hater is? Yeah, I feel like it's a cultural thing. It's like like I so explain the definition of a of a hater. Like there's nobody at least since like middle school that's come up to me and was like Hey, I know you want to do this, but you're going to fail, you idiot. Like nobody's ever like, so what does a hater actually do? And what do they, how do you know they're hating? What are they, what are they doing to discourage you? Haters are anybody that don't want to see you win or come up or do better in life. How do you know that that's what they're doing? How do you know? Do they tell you that? Some, some, some people are snakes in the grass. Okay. Like they may, they may, they they may come to you. You may say, "Man, listen, Chris and I are going to have the biggest me- media company," and they're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever," you know, or like, or they start laughing. Okay, man, that's great. And then you know, you 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 hear it something like, "Yeah, man, they're trying to start this media company." Like, like who are they? Like da 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 da. Like, or or the people who are in your comments. Not us, but like the famous people who are in your comments mm-hmm. who just you post a picture and it's like, oh, my gosh, she looks fat. Oh, my God. Uh, he has a bald head. Oh, right? yeah. Man, like, we're going to be those... at that point where like people are going to be like, what the hell is wrong with Brian's face, man? Like, why exactly. Have, like, I have like 31 million viewers and like 17 of them will be like, God, he's gaining weight. And I'm like, oh, that's that. There they are. The haters. Yeah, but yeah, but the, but but what, what people would tell you who's at that level would say, don't even read the comments. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and and it, it is that. But then, too, it's like that's a good thing that those are your marketing team because they took time out of their day to look at your content. Right? Mm. They're just adding to your they're adding to your pocket. So it's fine. So but haters can also you know, haters can also be the people who are, who are closest to you. Who like let's just say and sometimes it's not revealed, it's not obvious. Sometimes let's just say we're having a bad day. Damn, we just botched that interview, and then you tell you tell your friend, like, man, this is this is crazy. And then they'll say something like, I mean, well, you know, you don't have to do it. You know, you don't have to be, you know, a podcast host. You can just, you know, be X, Y, and Z. That's not you suck, but th- but they're trying to talk you out of doing something that you want to do because you had a bad day or a bad interview or you botched a sponsorship meeting, right? That's that's going to happen on the path. The the reason why the journey is beautiful is because you then at at some point you have knowledge. That's why people look up to people who have made it, who have went through the struggle where you see him in like 2000, like Jeff Bezos. And now he's like this billionaire. But he look at all the experience he has. Look at all the experience Oprah has that where she can reach back out and say, this is this is the reason why I did this. This is the reason why I did that. Like if these people are just wealthy just to be wealthy or successful just to be successful. And again, these are I'm using famous people, but you may have those people in your life who you aspire to who are not publicly famous. They have lessons and gems that they can teach you and guide you to make success. The road to success is always going to be bumpy, but it can be less bumpy by having a mentor who's already done it. Brian, don't go on, don't open that door. This is why, mm. right? Brian, starting if you start a business, set it up like this in the beginning because you realize that there's some things that you, you you don't know about business law that can that can 
do you bad if you don't know? There was an yes, in- you still got to go ahead. There was an interesting thing that you and I spoke about privately that I think is worth mentioning. The, the importance of mentorship and depending on where you are, you might not have access to mentors. So one thing that I always enjoyed about Success Fundamentals as a, as a platform is it's like you guys got a buffet of digital mentors available to you. And at the end of every episode, we leave their, their contact information. So if there was one that re- you really resonated with, I mean, the majority of them are quite accessible. Uh, and, and maybe 100%. maybe not even to talk to per se in, in all circumstances, but even to just follow and, and understand, and, you know, follow them on Instagram and read their content. So, yeah, 100 percent. You don't have to have the men- the mentor you have doesn't really have to be somebody you personally know. It's somebody that you read about. I have a whole bunch of mentors that I don't know personally. Right. In terms of the books I've read, the knowledge that, that, that they put in the book. That that can take you forever. People who I just listen to just to receive knowledge, mm. like even in our space, like our peers, like you, they don't have to be old and cr- and, cr- and wrinkled to be a mentor. The, the, again, I always keep saying this: John Henry, Rashad, Bilal, and um, Troy Millings for earn, earn your leisure. To me, they're mentors be in, from a whole different space because they're doing what we eventually want to do from a podcast standpoint, you can get information from peers. I don't know them personally, but following them, you're like, oh, okay, they're teaching you the moves to make. So you don't, and even if you listen to our show, you may resonate with a particular guest. You can re-listen to the interview, Mm. right? We can re-listen to it and then um, reach out. Because again, most of these people will tell you, here's my email, here's my link, reach out to me. And if you're serious, here's the reason why I don't mind giving out free information. You know why, Brian? You know why? You know, even when I started a podcast and (laughs) it's a million podcasts, but you know, you you know why it's always going to be success and regardless of what industry you're in, you know what, you know what, what's like the biggest thing for people Hmm. when they start something? They're not consistent or disciplined enough to continue to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Are there millions of podcasts out there? Duh. Yeah. It's also millions of in- entertainers. There's also millions of business people. But people who are sus- people who sustain, people who are who achieve the level of success that they want to achieve, they're consistent in it. What did Colin and Chris tell us? Most podcasts don't even make it to ten to, to, to ten shows. Right. And, you know, because in success, um, you're you're right, consistency. And and we often will use like these, you know, huge, huge, wildly successful people. But there's all different degrees of success. Like I took you out to that restaurant in Scranton, right? Hole in Mm -hmm. the wall, amazing wings, cheap beer. That family is loaded. They're loaded. That family is doing great. (laughs) Right. Are they Buffalo Wild Wings? No, but that family, they sent, I think, every single one of their kids to medical school and they covered the entire cost selling exactly. inexpensive chicken wing. So it's like, you know, success, you don't have to be an Oprah in order to make it. Like you could be like 100%. thousands 100%. of percentages less than Oprah, tens of thousands of percentages less and still be wildly successful, especially here. Exactly. Especially in the United States. Think about it. People are getting millions of dollars by by creating p- 
platforms or having podcasts literally talking about not a damn thing. And they're and because they have the viewership and eyeballs and community, mm. corporations are throwing money at them. I have a cousin of mine who texted me last night, Brian. She said, how do I get started in podcasting? Because she's really, she's really, really good um, in doing uh, nails. Claws mm. by K, right? Her name's Michaela, right? Claws by K, she's down in Atlanta. S- super talented, right? I told her the podcast could be a best thing. Now, she wants to start a podcast for the other thing. But I told her from, 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 a, segment, from a segment standpoint, you can have a segment for Claws by K entry, like, you know, just talking about your business. It's the it's one of the best things. Right. Especially if you have a passion for it. And it's the best. It's the best networking. To, think about who we're talking to on Monday. The CISO of Oracle, bro. That's crazy. Damn. You see what I'm saying? Mm. That's crazy. We don't know this dude from a whole way. He ain't Cali, you know. Too and many of our like, guests are in love. California. Seems like just yeah, stuff is, is, there, is, is happening in California. Well, we have like what's name was in Texas. Uh, Tizer was in Texas, and here's a, another thing I, I, I want to say about that too. Because Tizer had a his mom is a savage. She's a rock star. What an extraordinary this lady world. battled. This lady battled addiction, both from an alcohol and a narcotic standpoint. Was able in her late thirties. To earn and work her way with three kids now. With three kids. Divorced. With three kids and divorced. Mm-hmm. She was able to go through nursing school and become a nurse. And then go back to school and become an MP, like in in like in her forties. And this all while being an AA sponsor and an NA sponsor. Amazing. So, bro, so I don't I, I, I don't know about you, Brian. I have zero, I have very, 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 very I have no patience for people who say that. I I don't have the time or I can't do it or I'm black and can't be successful because of the because of the, uh, you know, the country we live in. All that is absolute bullshit to me because it's like all you got to do is start somewhere. It ain't going to be perfect. Listen to our first couple of uh, shows. I'm echoing. I can't talk because I stutter, (laughs) you know. It's going to be a road. It's going to be a journey. But that's something me and Brian can laugh at. Do you remember when you couldn't even say X, Y, and Z? Or you remember when you, you know, you're talking to like 10 of you were talking because you were in, in a room that had no density or nothing <laughs> like that? <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's you just got to start and you just got to put it out there. It's okay. Everyone can fulfill it. Mm-hmm. But Brian and I are here to uh, to give you all the fundamentals of, of success. Unlock that, unlock that switch in your mind Bing. and just go for it. But listen, Brian has to go, you know, kick some people's asses. He is a judo instructor, so we're going to wrap this Oops. thing up. You know, successors, thank you again for tuning in to this show. We could not have done this without you. We just announced our sponsorship with uh, Corporate Direct. Um, again, that wouldn't have never happened without you all listening to That's our right. show. Thank you That's for right. listening to us rant. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll see you all. And as, as you already know, it's already in you. And we'll see you all next week. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.